0: everyone and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo as always joined by Joe Resonello. And once more dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area, particularly Fairfield County. Connecticut, parts of Westchester, and Northern Long Island. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And if you don't mind, if you see Joe and I on social media, particularly at the Frontline TV on YouTube, Frontline TV, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff that will really help us out a lot. And today... We are very pleased and honored to be welcoming back to the program Bill Donahue of the Catholic League. We're going to be discussing his new book, The Truth About Clergy, Sexual Abuse, Clarifying the Facts and the causes this is a very important book we're going to emphasize throughout the conversation that all catholics need to go out there and buy this book now not that anybody out in our audience doesn't know bill but very quickly a brief introduction bill donahue is the president and ceo of the catholic league for religious and civil rights the nation's largest catholic civil rights organization the publisher of the catholic league journal catalyst he served for two decades on the board of directors of the national association of scholars winner of several teaching awards and many awards from the catholic community bill has appeared on thousands of television and radio shows speaking on civil liberties social issues and religion now here is what raymond arroyo had to say about bill's new book quote Using his sharp skills as a sociologist, Bill Donahue offers the public a startling autopsy of the clerical sex abuse crisis. Within, he challenges longstanding narratives about the progress made and the root causes of these crimes. This is an important work that will surely stir debate and hopefully lead to a substantive conversation about protecting children across society. Close quote. Bill Donahue, welcome back to The front line with Joe and Joe.
1: Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Bill, we always start off with a prayer, because all good things start off with a prayer, and this is a good thing. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word, incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us, amen. Name of the Father. St. Dominic. Pray for us. Pray for us. Bill, I want to start off with something that Raymond Royal said about protecting children across society. You began your book by claiming that the church does not own this crisis. What do you mean by that? And how will acknowledging that truth lead to the realization in America that many of our institutions are rampant? With sexual abuse.
2: Well, thank you, Joe. I've been studying this issue for over 20 years. Been personally involved in many of the different cases, as I point out in the book. And uh, I one of the objections I have to the conventional wisdom, which is wrong on almost everything on this issue, is that somehow the Catholic Church has a monopoly on the issue. Uh, first of all, let me just really say right at the very beginning, our problem is largely over. All right, people seem to think that the problem is ongoing. No, it's not. Uh, but. Quite frankly, most of the problem is between the mid-60s and the mid-80s. Now, every institution where adults interact with uh, minors, you're going to have, unfortunately, some degree of abuse. It's true amongst other religions. It's true amongst the public schools in particular. It's true amongst camp counselors and many other quarters. When you get into sexual misconduct in general, You see it in CBS and NBC. You see it in the military, doctors, lawyers, psychiatrists. I could go down the list, US Olympics. Nobody is free from this. Now, I am not saying that the Catholic Church shouldn't be held to a higher standard. I think we should have a higher standard for priests. But I am really tired of of organizations, publications like the Washington Post, which have come out and said that somehow the Catholic Church has some kind of a monopoly on this. We do not. And I go at great pains to, to, to debunk that mythology. I'm not trying to give us a pass. I'm simply saying that the media seem to have a monistic fixation on the Catholic Church, and they disregard sexual abuse taking place in many other quarters in our society. It is rampant in Hollywood, particularly with children. and uh, and yet they get a pass on it. As a matter of fact, as I quote in the book, Amy Berg, who did a documentary on the Catholic Church on this problem, he tried to do a documentary on pedophilia. Our problem has been homosexuality, not pedophilia. We'll get to that. She wanted to do a documentary on pedophilia in Hollywood, and they basically stopped her. Her documentary was only shown in a few places. So the first thing we need to know is that the media and others are involved in a cover-up of sexual abuse taking place in other institutions.
0: What bothers me, Bill, more than anything else, and if you're just joining us, Bill Donahue, who was joining the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Network. What angers me more than anything, and we should, like you said, Bill, we should be angry about what has gone on, let's say, in the church. And we should hold the church to a higher standard. But when they want to throw stones and they want to point fingers, and then when they say, well, what are you doing about it? And we turn around and say, well, I'm, and this will lead to my next question. Yeah, we've, we're doing something about it, and we, we've been continuing to do something about it. But when are you going to do something about about what's going on? Like you said, public education bill. I've been listening to you for years, pounding the table with public education and the sex abuse in the public education establishment, and nobody does a damn thing. Now you say in the book that the church has confronted the scandals. Okay, uh, you know, as opposed to what you hear out there, because if you listen to the media, you'd come away that the church did not talk about concretely for our audience. How how has the church confronted the scandal and done something significant about
2: it? Let's just take the last 20 years and compare to, compare them to the period between the mid-60s and the mid-80s, which is where the scandal really took place at that point. Uh, back in those days, the 1970s, without doubt, the worst decade in the history of the Catholic Church in America, where we dropped our God instead of instead of resisting the sexual revolution, we succumbed to it. And during that time, in the 70s, there were six and 7,000 accusations. Not all of them were true, of course, but accusations against the clergy, against tens of thousands of members of the clergy. In the last 20 years, things have dropped off so much that I know that our figures here in the Catholic League, we we, we tally on this all the time. In the last 10 years, the figures are 5.9 accusations made against 50,000 members of the current clergy. You won't find a single institution in our society, religious or secular, which can match that figure. The latest figure, which came out here about a month ago, of the last period, about a year ago, six substantiated cases against 50,000 members of the clergy in the United States. Now, admittedly, one would be too many, but let's not get caught up in this sanctimonious uh, nonsense that, oh, we, we, that means the abuse problem is still there. No, it's largely resolved. And unless we tell the truth about why it happened and the fact that we made tremendous progress, we had the Dallas Charter, uh, of, of course, in, in, in 2004, two years after the Boston Globe exposed what was happening. And the word had gone out that particularly with regard to practicing homosexuals, this is not a place for you boys anymore. The party is
1: over. Bill, you mentioned Hollywood, and clearly they're poisoning the public mind. Um, how have they contributed to this scandal? Um, clearly they shouldn't be throwing stones, yet they are. Yeah, I mean, the, the,
2: the number of people, actors who have come out, male actors, about being abused uh, on, on the casting couch is, is rather remarkable. But, yes, they put out movies like uh, The Magdalene Laundries and uh, uh, Philomena. And they give the impression that that sexual abuse is rampant amongst every aspect of the Catholic Church. I've read the McLeese report, a government report, about what was going on in the Magdalene laundries, which for the people not aware of it, the nuns used to take care of children who were dumped at their doorstep because the mother, she had the baby out of wedlock. She might've been embarrassed, I understand that. they, they, They had no place to go. There was almost nothing that the government was doing. This is back in the early uh, 19th, early 20th century, I should say. And uh, there were accusations, of course, have come out. Oh, they were abused by the nuns, sexual abuse, torture, and whatnot. And the media played it up big in Europe and the United States. And Hollywood made movies out of it. But I looked at the Mcleese report, a, a government study. This wasn't the Catholic Church. They said there was not a single case of sexual abuse by any nun, that the ideas of that torture were all made up, and yet Hollywood gave rise to this. In the case of the Philomena, Philomena Lee Lee won a uh, an Oscar for her role in the movie uh, about her when her son, uh, who uh, she left, by the way, at the age of 22 when she was in Ireland, she gave up her son. She had the child out of wedlock, okay, made a mistake. She, she leaves the child with the nuns. That's better than throwing them in the street because that's generally what would happen. The nuns uh, then... Uh, uh, had a uh, an adoption service uh, in the United States and a couple from Wisconsin accepted the baby. She came over here uh, a couple of years ago when the movie came out and she said that, uh, oh, she was uh, looking for a son all these years and what happened to my son? She never set foot in the, in, in the United States ever until she came over for her award uh, in Philomena. She lied about that. She lied about the church just taking the baby from her. She signed a contract at the age of 22 delivering her son, and yet the people in this country believing what Hollywood has said thinks, again, the worst about the Catholic Church. Hollywood has lied consistently, and I don't even have the time to get into all the Catholic bashing movies, that the Weinstein brothers, Harvey, of course, is now sitting in prison. There is sweet justice after a while for some people uh, Mm -hmm. for what he has done in in, in smearing the good work of the Catholic Church.
0: And what what bothers you, too, about about Hollywood in particular, but the rest of the horrid crew out there is that they always want to say, well, you need to believe the victim. You need to believe the accuser. You need to believe the accuser. Well, what about, what about Corey Haim who killed himself? Right. What about Corey Feldman who's out there and they try to, they try to shut him down. Here's a guy's got nothing to lose. He goes out there and say, this is, this is part of the right of initiation for kids in Hollywood. Are we not supposed to believe them, Bill Donahue? You know, right. that's 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 really the go ahead. You were going to say
2: no, no, no. But you find you, it's not even just in Hollywood. You, you, you see it in so many other different quarters where people say, well, why should we believe uh, all the, the stories about Michael Jackson? Well, there's not one or two. There's a whole slew of them. Uh, there are still people defending Roman Polanski, uh, sure. uh, the accused child rapist. Uh, and and uh, so, y- y- yeah, there's a lot of people. Not only it's not just in this country, by the way. People should understand that the French are the worst in, in the entire world, the French intellectuals, in justifying adults having sex with kids and they wanted to lower the age of consent, and yet they, they, they suffer apoplexy when they read about uh, some priest back in the 70s uh, who had a, a homosexual encounter with a, with a young man. Uh, you can't have it both ways. If if you're, if you're outraged about sex between adults and minors, as I am and you are and most people are, Catholic and non-Catholic alike, then, then we should be, treat everybody equally. But what they're concerned about is not the action, not the behavior, not the rape. They're concerned about the the, the identity of the victimizer. If he's a priest, that's wrong. If he works in Hollywood, he's an intellectual. Well, you we have to be uh, be more understanding of that.
0: Yeah, if he's in Hollywood, he could you could you could uh, you could sip some gray goose and eat a little foie gras with him, and that's quite all right. But, you know, <laughs> the
1: the, the priest gets condemned. Joe Rasinello, where are we headed? Bill, you mentioned the role of homosexuality, and I'm glad you did, um, because basically, you know, there's a lot of denial. And there's obviously some, you know, conversation about it because clearly the John Jay study talked about uh, most I believe it's 80% um, Mm -hmm. of the victims uh, already reached the age of puberty so clearly those men were homosexual heterosexual men are not interested in a 14 year old boy let's be honest yet that's not said clearly and this is something i also want to say our pope pope francis clearly has made statements about men going into the police the priesthood who have homosexual tendencies and please correct me if i'm wrong he said this very clearly this is is not the place for you. Pope Francis said that. Talk about the homosexual issue because I think that's the 800-pound gorilla in the room that no one will address. Yes, I mean, it really was scurrilous. Even, Even at the Vatican in
2: 2019, they had this summit on the abuse crisis and all they ever talked about, I mean everyone, that's all they ever talked about was the bishops, the enabling bishops and talking about clericalism. No kid was ever molested because of clericalism. No, the clericalism may play a role in understanding why some bishops uh, uh, didn't do what they should have done, but it has. It, they skirted the issue of molestation. Now, you, you, you said correctly that the John Jay study of criminal justice found in their two studies that about 80% of the uh, of, of the victims were boys and about 80% of them were postpubescent; they were adolescents. That means it's homosexuality. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I'm, I'm a great admirer of most of the work done by the John Jay researchers. There are two studies on the Catholic priests uh, uh, during the crisis that took place in the mid '60s and '80s—they've done a good—they've done a good job in in, in getting the data. Uh, if there's one problem I have, it's a serious di- uh, distinction. They admit that almost all of the molestation was a result of men having sex with men, with adolescent boys. All right, we're not talking about prepubescent. Mm -hmm. We're talking about post-pubescent boys. That's homosexuality, obviously, by any definition. They admit to that, yet they say, we really don't think this is a homosexual issue or crisis. Well, how in the world would you come to that conclusion, except for a political uh, understanding? And what they said is that not all the molesting priests identify as a homosexual. Right. Well, that may be, but that's not dispositive. It's an interesting psychological variable. But if, they, if, a, if, a, if a man is a homosexual calls himself a heterosexual, would they conclude that we have a, 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 uh, a, a heterosexual crisis? That's right. nonsense. Right. That's, that,
0: that's the thing that, that, that's very frustrating because the way you title it in the book, and the book is the truth about clergy sexual abuse clarifying the facts and the causes. The guest, the author, is Bill Donahue of the Catholic League. You're joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. The way you put it in the book is it's admitting the obvious— but then did not but then denying the obvious and what yeah. I don't like bill is that I don't need to be a criminologist I don't need to be a sociologist to look at the data I have reason and intelligence given to me by God we all do okay and say well wow okay if these were prepubescent kids then you could call it rightfully pedophilia there are right. ca- there are cases of that it's not like right. it didn't exist there are cases of that okay but the primary thing that people point the finger at in the church is that 80%, all right, a lot of the accusers were um they go back and they say, well, I was abused when I was 16, 17. Like you said, why is John Jay and others denying the obvious? Obviously they're they're afraid of that politically correct cancel culture that we live in because because you can't think of any other reason why they would deny that.
2: Yeah, the, the, it's a tribute to the strength of the gay movement in this country that they've succeeded in t- intimidating almost everyone to the point we don't even have an honest discussion on this. Uh, everyone's afraid of being called a gay basher. Look, I don't care. I have no interest in passing judgment on people, what they do in, in the privacy of their home. When I operated the, the, the uh, Catholic League, uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade Contingent, which I pulled uh, for, for reasons related to this, But I said, listen, I don't ask people what they do in bed and and with whom as a condition of marching in my my unit. All I'm simply saying is this, we can't get to the root of the problem unless we have a correct diagnosis. Three and a half percent of the abusers had victims who uh, who were clearly cases of pedophilia, three and a half. We're talking here almost all, 80 percent. Uh, of the cases of, of, of molestation were a result of homosexuals. Now, quite frankly, I'm, people say, well, are you saying homosexuals are naturally given to being sexual abusers? No. As a matter of fact, I say homosexuality does not cause the sexual abuse of minors. But as a sociologist, I am stuck with answering nonetheless, why is it that they, they are so disproportionately overrepresented? I mean, the, I'm Irish. I am I'm not... Irish, and therefore I'm going to become an alcoholic, but we know that the Irish are overrepresented amongst alcoholics. We know that uh, uh, you know every demographic group seems to be overrepresented, or in fact maybe underrepresented on different scales. There's a reason for that, and the social scientist is supposed to uh, to, to to get to the the heart of it. Now I've looked at the research on this, going back to Freud and Young, and I've listened to and read what molesting priests have said about themselves. And I am convinced that the reason why homosexuals are overrepresented amongst the sexual abuse of minors in and out of the Catholic Church, by the way, is due to the fact that homosexuals are more likely to be immature, both emotionally and sexually, that they get to a point in terms of their psychosexual development where they stop. It's a plateau. They're stunted. Now, that that is why so many of these guys related— to their peer group they might right. have been in their 20s and 30s but their peer group was that of a teenager or subteam. Teen.
0: right if you're joining us uh if you're just joining us you're at the front line with joe and joe and we're having a fascinating conversation with bill donahue about his new book available at ignatius press ignatius press don't buy it on amazon buy it on ignatius press um the truth about clergy sexual abuse clarifying the facts and the causes joe resinello i'm going to hand it over to you
1: you mentioned the John Jay scandal, and, I, I, and since then, obviously, the church has put controls in place. Could we talk a little bit about that? Because I think people need to know what the church—like, for instance, you send your kid. I have five kids. I send three of them to Catholic school. What are some of the controls to, to, to basically reassure people that this type of nonsense, the likelihood of it, is not going to happen? Well, Pope
2: Benedict Sixteenth is, in my estimation, the hero here. Uh, He is the one who did a lot more than his predecessor, St. John Paul II, whom I love. But he didn't do as good a job as Benedict. Now, to to his credit, Francis is continuing what Benedict did. Now, what did Benedict do? First and foremost, he said that if you're a homosexual man and you have, quote, deep-seated homosexual tendencies, this is not the place for you. Do not come and join the priesthood. Francis has continued that same norm. The word has gotten out. Hey, fellas, the party is over. What went on in the 1970s will never happen again. And that's when the church dropped its guard, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and the, the church became flooded the seminaries with homosexuals. It drove out of the priesthood a lot of very good, straight, heterosexual men who couldn't take it any longer. That's, that, that's why the church does deserve blame for what it did, particularly in the 1970s, when they were teaching that homosexuality was morally neutral in many of the seminaries. I mean, what else would you expect that happened? But they've learned, unfortunately, instead of resisting the sexual revolution, we succumbed to it. But we've learned a lot. And the norms that have been in place, along with the fact that the word got out even before Benedict started to uh, crack the whip, Uh, the word had gotten out that things are changing, okay? It's not the same uh, as it used to be. And by the way, we had homosexual uh, priests back in the 40s and 50s, but they didn't act out. Why didn't they? Because the environment in the church and in the general society was one of sexual restraint. It wasn't acceptable to act out. But once the sexual revolution hit in the 60s, and particularly the gay sexual revolution, It then became fashionable, indeed acceptable, to act out. And some of those same guys who had put a lid on their libido back in the 40s and 50s began to act out. So it's a combination of they decided it was okay to act out now, plus the surge of homosexuals into the priesthood, and then driving out a lot of the straight guys. That's why you had the scandal. The church relaxed itself. But we've made so much progress. Uh, And if you don't get the correct diagnosis, you'll never get to the heart of the problem.
0: I'm, I'm glad you said right. that, Bill, because the, the analogy I would give is you, you, you don't you don't treat cancer like you would a common cold. And that's, and that's, that's the right. mistake that they make. Um, Bill, and we wish we had you for longer. We know you're a busy guy. We got about five minutes left. Joe and I hammer all the time. We love the fact, Bill, that one thing that you do is you identify what the problems are. One of the things when I was reading your book and I looked at one of the chapters was the role of evil. Evil okay now where a lot of times you could you could talk about the conditions under which a person grew up how they were formed they could be misguided but some horrid people are just evil and you talk about the role of that evil in your book in the next let's say four or five minutes give our audience at the front line with joe and joe a couple of examples of what you would call
2: evil men just straight up i would say that almost all of the abusers were sick men but they were not evil. If you, if you become too promiscuous with the term evil, then it has no meaning. You've lost its vitality. I would say that the Mexican priest, the legionary founder, Maciel, uh, definitely had the, had, the, had the hand of Satan at work. He had sex with boys, with girls, with men, with women. He impregna- impregnated women. Uh, he lived a lavish lifestyle, and he pretended to be a holy man. And on his deathbed, he even refused confession. There's something going on here besides sickness, folks. And then, of course, we have our own homegrown guy, Theodore McCarrick, uh, a great wordsmith, a tremendous fundraiser. Uh, He did some good things, but he was incredibly manipulatory. And he had a home down the Jersey Shore in Seagirt back in the 1980s, where he would intentionally bring in more seminarians for the weekend than he had beds for. He would sleep with them. He raped them spiritually, psychologically, and physically. That These men were studying to be the children of God, to service us. That's the hand of the devil at work. And so we have to admit that some people, it's a very different strain here. We have to get the correct diagnosis. As you say, that's right. Cancer, the common cold, it does make a difference. Somebody asked me recently, they said, well, even if most of the the molestation was committed by homosexuals, what difference does that make? It makes a big difference. If I have a problem with my ear and my foot. And I, and I get the wrong diagnosis from the ear doctor and the, and the podiatrist, I'm not going to make any progress. It's not pedophilia. Stop chasing the problem, which doesn't exist. The problem has been homosexuality. But the good news is that the, 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 the surge of homosexuals into the priesthood has declined, and the homosexuals that are there, which is a fair number of them, we don't know the exact number, they, they know now that if they act out, there's going to be some penalties. There's got to be some penalty for people who act out straight or gay about anything. After all, you guys took a vow of chastity and celibacy voluntarily. You got to stick to it. And if not, if you can't deal with it, then leave.
0: Then leave. Joe mm-hmm.
2: Restinello, we have about
0: three minutes left for one more question for Bill Donahue at the front line with Joe and Joe.
1: Let's talk a little bit about, like, why people didn't speak out when this behavior, because, like, to be honest with you, I'm from the Archdiocese of Newark, I grew up here, and a lot of people knew what McCarrick was doing. Just very briefly, and and why isn't that going to happen now? Well, you know, I'm
2: glad you mentioned that, because in my book, I point out it's too easy just to go after the bishops and the priests. You've got to go after the enabling bishop and the molesting priests, of course. But a lot of lay people, I'm not just talking about hearing a rumor. If you hear a rumor, you hear rumors about priests all the time. Half of them are false. But if you know, if you're a housekeeper and you've heard some things going on in the bedroom of, of a priest and you see boys coming in and out and you do nothing about it, you don't report it to anybody, then you're complicit. And there are too many people that, that attitude which exists all over the country. It's certainly not a Catholic uh, uh, attribute. I don't want to get involved. It's not. I, I don't want to get involved. I, I don't want to see anything. I don't want to hear anything. And and that that is a real problem. We we need to have within the Catholic Church and indeed in all institution ombudsmen, people whom you could go to anonymously and register a complaint. Let that person then investigate it. Again, a lot of these accusations are false. And I want to emphasize. I am totally opposed to the idea that an act, an accused priest is therefore guilty. He's entitled to the same due process rights as any other person in America. What I'm talking here about a red flag, though. If you see a red flag, you know, where there's smoke that there could be fire, you better check it out. And there's a reluctance on the part of lay people here. I want to stress lay people to do so. And in terms of lay people, make one other comment. The therapists. The therapists have gotten a pass. They don't in my book. They should have admitted to the limit of their expertise. I'm not saying they're stupid. I'm saying this, that they can't fix everybody. And they should have told the bishops, I'm sorry, this priest is too far gone. Uh, I I just can't in in good conscience tell you that he's gonna be fixed in six weeks and you can put him back into ministry. In, In their own arrogance and smugness, they overrated their expertise and they misled the bishops. And that's one group of lay people who should never get a pass. They should be held accountable like everyone else
0: and what bothers me build on you too is that like again going back to the we're not stupid stance i took earlier okay we're not stupid if you live with a guy like mccarrick for seven years please right. stop making it seem like look if i live with somebody for seven years i know they're about their girlfriends i know everything that's going on okay I probably know what, what what color underwear they're wearing. So please, that's one of those things. Bill Donahue, unfortunately, we have to leave it there very quickly. Tell people about the uh, Catholic League as a resource your new podcast and your new book.
2: Yes, you can you can uh, take a look at our website www.catholicleague.org, one word catholicleague.org. You'll find information about the book, about our media uh, hits, uh, and a wealth of information, an overwhelming amount of information collected over decades. And the book is available at Ignatius.com, Catholic Bookstores, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble will have it shortly. Uh, So please pick it up uh, because I'm trying to seriously debunk a lot of the mythology that's out there, the lies that have been told and distortions about the Catholic Church. And I don't sugarcoat anything. Some people have to be held accountable. But also remember, we've made great progress. And I'll I'll leave your your viewers with one, one important thing. Remember that every single priest who acted out and did the wrong thing violated the teachings of the Catholic Church. He was not being, being uh, practicing fidelity. He was not being faithful to the teachings. There's nothing wrong with the teachings of the Catholic Church. There's something wrong with people who abandon those teachings. That's where we have the problem. It's not the problem of, It's with the teachings.
0: Amen, brother, amen. So Bill Donahue, we wanna thank you for joining us. Stick around everybody in the next segment. Joe and I are gonna continue talking about Bill's book and Bill's a busy guy, so we wanna thank him for joining us, Bill Donahue. You're welcome back on this program anytime, brother. Thanks,
2: guys, and Merry Christmas to you. Early Merry Christmas. Early Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right,
0: everybody, stick around. We'll be back.
3: Hey, you know about our Veritas shows, right? all five it starts every sunday at 5 p.m with the Frontline with joe and joe their guests include the biggest names in the catholic world and joe and joe talk to them from the perspective of the everyday catholic every wednesday at noon you can catch let me be frank this is your chance to hear bishop frank paggiano talk about spirituality church news and fun stories from his brooklyn childhood and his life thursday nights at eight o'clock That's when you can hear It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. It's a late night show on Catholic Radio, and Liv mixes faith with humor, games, and dynamic interviews. There's a double dose of shows on Friday. First, at noon, it's Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Then, at 12.30 on Fridays, you can hear the Focus on Veritas, where Peter Sonsky puts the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And we are in the breach and on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York City metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you have access to all of our station's content. And please follow Joe and I on social media, primarily um, on the Frontline TV on YouTube, Frontline TV on YouTube. We just passed 60,000 subscribers. We're making a real push there. So we would appreciate that. Now for those of you who are just joining us, in the first uh segment, we were uh joined by Bill Donahue. We were discussing his new book, The Truth About Clergy Sexual Abuse. Okay, it's a book that we highly recommend that you go out and buy. Um and it's it's very weighty. and It really cuts through Uh, A lot of the fog that we've heard over the last, let's say, several years about this scandal in the church. So, Joe and I wanted to continue the conversation, and we thought, well, who better to join us in continuing that conversation than Father Stephen Imbarato? And most of you out there know who Father Imbarato is. Very quick introduction Father Imbarato, the protest priest, is an activist, pro life Catholic priest, a regular on EWTN, and a member of of red rose rescues father and welcome back
4: uh it's always good to be with you guys how's Thank things you, in father? jersey
1: oh good good getting ready for christmas I got to go to I, I cut down my tree at lowe's i'm coming up I, I'll, I'll be up next
4: sunday and monday
0: <laughs> outstanding awesome awesome uh father you want to lead us in
4: a, in a quick prayer sure in name of father son the holy yes. spirit amen father in heaven name of your son our lord jesus christ We send the holy spirit down upon us lord may your truth be on our heart and on our lips uh, lord open up the hearts and minds of those who hear us and see us so uh, that your truth may be lived by all that we may bring souls to Conversion and salvation uh and end the scourge of uh immorality that we see against life, marriage, and family uh in our culture. And we ask this through the intercession of Saint Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 hey can I say something? Can I say something real quick, guys? You'll you'll appreciate this before we get into the questions. Uh so uh, we did the men's march up in Baltimore, uh, the Monday of the USCCB meeting. So you guys will appreciate it, and, and you'll understand exactly when I get, get to it, okay? So it's the year of St. Joseph. You guys, uh, of course, know that. And uh, uh, we had three bishops join us. Now, you guys also know, besides you guys being named Joseph, I was born on the feast of St. Joseph. So I'm Father Stephen Joseph, right? Right. So uh, we had three bishops join us up in Baltimore, praying the rosary outside of their meeting. Bishop Joseph Coffey, Bishop Joseph Strickland, and Bishop Joseph Hanfeld. Uh, all right, so out of the th- all the bishops, the only three that came out were Bishop Josephs. <laughs> right. I don't know if there's any other Bishop Joseph's, but uh, Saint Joseph's hand was in that, and uh, let's hope that Saint Joseph's hand is in uh, the interview we're going to do now. There's yeah. no Absolutely. question about it.
0: No, no question. I was going to say there's no question about that. Uh, so yeah, Father, we obviously you know we value your comments on. You've been on our social media show, our Crusade Channel show, um, Veritas Catholic Network member, uh, the audience members. I'm sure know who you are, but you, your insight. You're on the front lines. We don't just say that because this is the front line with Joe and Joe. You truly are on the front lines. You, you got your finger on the pulse of what's going on out there. And that's why we wanted your comments on not, not just the book. And I'm gonna, we're going to bring out some other points, maybe some what others have said. Let me, let me read you a quote that Father Gerald Murray uh, made about uh, Donahue's book. And then I'm going to want your comments um, generally about what he's saying. Donahue demonstrates that the monumental scandal of the sexual abuse of minors by priests and bishops was the result of the collapse of the church's defense of her own moral teachings. The tolerance, and in some cases, the promotion by church authorities of a homosexual subculture in the priesthood opened the floodgates. Um And then he goes on to talk about how, you know, Donahue's book helps to restore, promote truth and restore order in the church. Okay, we'd love your thoughts on on the the content of what Father Murray's talking about.
4: Well, there's so much here. And so in preparation for this show, I actually did some research myself. Not that I'm going to blow everybody away with statistics, but isn't it interesting that um, in. Uh two thousand and four. There was two John Jay studies. All right. John I'm sure Donna, you brought up the John Jay studies. There was actually two studies, right? There was the one in two thousand and four, another one in two thousand and eleven. The one in two thousand and four dealt with the nature and the scope of the scandal. And then in 2011, uh, the causes and the context of the scandal. So I actually found an article in 2004 from American Magazine that Father Thomas Reese wrote in 2004 after the first study. And then a Bill Donahue wrote an article in 2011, and it was in the National Catholic Register 2011. So I found articles after each of the John Jay studies. And of course, you can imagine National Catholic Register and Bill Donahue versus this Thomas Reese and American Magazine, right? Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that all the statistics are consistent, right, in both articles. The slant is a little bit different, right? I mean, for instance, American Magazine wants wants everybody to think that this was a a scandal that could be just laid at the feet of the traditional Catholic Church prior to the Second Vatican Council. And, of course, uh, I think that um, uh, uh, Bill doesn't really go there. So, first of all, my opinion of Bill. Bill is an outspoken guy. I have read some things that he has, uh, uh, written and things that he has said. And, and the first thing that comes up into my mind and other people say it, that he's an apologist for the Catholic church, which he should be, we should all be apologists for the Catholic church, but that more so he's an apologist for the bishops. Uh, I, I think that, that, there's a there's a, a a thread of truth in that that kind of like rubs me the wrong way. However, I really is, uh, appreciate Bill because when he's an apologist for the clergy, he's an apologist for me. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that uh, if right. if I was in a foxhole, all right, I'd want Bill there uh, with me because he would defend me purely because of my priesthood. So I I just want to put that context in. I think that he's not a pure apologist uh, for the bishops. I think what he tries to do is be as objective as possible, and he sees good and he sees bad, right? I think he does try to call it as it is. I think that those people who have a slant against the catholic church are going to really see him as an apologist those who uh stand with the catholic church uh 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 probably are a little bit more objective about that all right so um uh, you know my take on all of this uh centers around uh, a couple of issues and I had to deal with this in the seminary it rocked the seminary. I was in the seminary in from 2000 to 2005 and that's with the Boston scandal right so you're talking about the John Jay study that came out in 2004 I was a deacon Right. So that study was going on after the Boston scandal and it was rocking our world. I mean, it, it really, really had an effect on me as a prospective priest. And so I really immersed myself in it. But what came out from me, uh, because I had a, someone very, very close to me who was uh, who got involved in a relationship with a minor. All right, so he was like 30, and she was like 16, and was so-called consensual relationship legally couldn't be, right? But I happened to visit uh, uh, the diagnostic center in New Jersey, where there were 400, 400 uh, 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 pedophiles. All right, Uh, uh, and and almost all of them had molested little girls. Right. And what struck me about this scandal was that 81% of the victims were male. Right. And I think Bill trying to bring out the fact that this was not a pedophilia scandal as much as it was a homosexual scandal, I think for me, for me is one of the most important pieces of the puzzle, and of course it's a piece of the puzzle that I don't think the bishops want to come to grips with, and in all fairness the Bill, I think he points that out, that the bishops really don't want to deal with the the fact that this was far more a homosexual scandal than it was a pedophile scandal. And this, unfortunately, still exists in the church to a large extent. Now, I've heard numbers up to 60%. If you listen to church militant, I would think it's probably closer to 25%, but it exists. There are active homosexuals in the church. They are being very, very careful about not crossing the line into uh, molestation. They're, they're, They're basically having sexual relations with each other. Right. Uh, and 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 so uh, it, it is all about a breakdown in mora in morality. I, I don't I don't think it really, the root cause is not that. Because if you look at JP too, I mean, he used to preach uh, about mortal sin and about uh, uh, chastity. I mean, theology of the body, etc. I mean, prior to Vatican II, when I was growing up, the Baltimore Catechism, uh, I was in grammar school leading up to the Vatican Council. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm not sure of that. I think it goes back to the fact that we've heard from Bella Dodd, we have heard from uh, uh other sources right uh, uh about the masonic infiltration of the church the homosexual infiltration of the church the communist infiltration of the church that probably overlaps right uh, maybe some were all three uh and that it started in the in the 19-teens and it came to a head i think in the 50s uh and the people were in the pews the people were in the pews praying their rosary, oblivious to what was going on in their parishes. Their parishes had many of them had convents, many of them had four or five priests in the rectory, right? And uh, and the and the, the the lady were oblivious. And what Second Vatican Council did was tear the veil away from uh, basically parish life and clerical life. And then that's when this, I always called it a boil, that was under the skin, broke the surface, and was lanced. And the pus and the scum and the smell was, to a large extent, this priest molestation scandal. So that was mostly homosexual. Uh, and, uh, and, and I, I think that, uh, the bishops, I, I think the, it, it has to, the, the, the blame has to be laid at the feet of the bishops. Uh, you can talk about whether they reacted to it. Oh, well, surely they didn't react quick enough to it. And really a big part of the scandal came about because they really did try to cover it up for decades. Now, if they did it with well intent, which many of them think they did uh to avoid scandal they created a greater scandal by uh, trying to avoid scandal uh but you know we've seen the bishops now involved in scandal after scandal after scandal today's scandals have to do with them not wanting to preach against the fifth command or stand up for the fifth commandment the sixth commandment sins against sins of the fifth against the fifth commandment the sixth commandment scandal after scandal after scandal uh i think that Uh, The bishops uh, have not, I think they've reacted, but they have not accepted responsibility for the decades of abuse that went on in the church and uh, they're uh, trying to cover it up and of course that goes back to the original sin of Adam so that might be more than what you wanted for uh, Father Murray's uh, question but uh, that that's my overview my take on 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 the whole thing and get more specific now if you well, want Well, again
1: I mean B- Bill uh in his book he talked about like how it is a homosexual act I mean clearly when a man is with a boy that's that basically is past puberty that's not a heterosexual act and 80% of that behavior was in that category and it's getting mislabeled clearly and this is my thoughts and i mean clearly you went through the seminaries i i am i don't go down the road of conspiracy as much as i think what has happened in our church is very catholic families potentially could have had a child who had tendencies that homosexual tendencies and in those families irish italian polish Filipino. It's not accepted to be an active homosexual. So how do you legitimize Tommy's behavior? Tommy becomes a priest. All of a sudden Tommy is legit. He's a priest. But to be honest with you, I like, that's how I think that this has flourished because from my perspective, I don't know percentages, but I'll buy that there is a sizable percentage of people. Um, to be honest with you, there's like it, it's visible. You know what I'm saying? And that's where the problem is. Yeah. To, to me, the control, if we listen to our Pope, who said that if you have strong homosexual tendencies, you shouldn't be a priest. Pope Francis said that. This is not the place for you. Out of his mouth. It seems to me that no one's listening to him.
4: Well, I, I think that,
1: I mean, it, it's just so
4: complex, you know, I mean, Joe, I grew up in northern New Jersey, an Italian, an Italian family, and uh, and with Irish and Poland, all the, the nationalities in Burton County, right, it is a melting pot. I don't think I ever encountered anyone prior to high school that was homosexual. And even was I aware of any homosexuals in high school? I found out subsequently 10, 20 years, 30 years afterwards when I went to my 40th anniversary that there were homosexuals in my class that were probably late and it came out later on. I I don't know. I I don't know. But, you know, we we can talk about these root causes but it's kind of like the immigration problem, you know. I mean, we we can talk about the situation as it is and what and what uh, 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 caused it, but we know what the solution is: build a wall at the southern border. Right now, we need to make sure that all of our seminaries are absolutely, positively homosexual-free. That's it. That's it, right? And that we need to be start talking about celibacy and chastity. The single biggest uh, reason why I think it may be 10 years or 15 years that we're going to see another exposure of, of, a, of a homosexual uh, and priest molestation issues because we don't hear chastity being taught we never hear chastity now we know what the culture looks like uh gay lesbian transgenderism uh, now we're talking about uh all kinds of sexual perversions all these sins against the fifth and sixth commandment we never hear about chastity never you don't hear bishops talk about it you don't hear the pope talk about it you don't hear priests talk about it and and so if you're not going to talk about the sin and the, the, the St. Thomas says the vice, and then the virtue that needs to replace the vice, the vice is going to overwhelm, it's going to enslave us. So I, I think that, and again, I, I think that in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and the 80s with JP two. um, I think that there was a lot of chastity being spoken and it still happened. Well, what's going to happen now? We're in the nineties, the two thousands. We're not hearing about chastity at all. And it's going to, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. All right. The bishops, I think are praying. I think they're on their knees that it doesn't come back. Oh Lord, not me. Uh, But at the same time, you know, this is the other, this, so this is the other thing I told you there was two facts all right that really really uh hit me all right that uh, uh 81% of the victims were male all right less than 5% of the cases were classic pedophilia case but here's the other one 70% of the abusive priests were ordained before 1970 See, that substantiates for me that the homosexual subculture was deeply rooted in the church prior to the Second Vatican Council. And in the Second Vatican Council, for all the complaints that people have, uh, uh, because remember, American Magazine wants to make it sound as if... uh, Uh, this was a a, a traditional problem and not a post-Vatican II problem. Well, it is a post-Vatican II problem too, but it started uh, pre-Vatican II, right? And it became exposed after Vatican II. uh, uh, And again, uh, where uh, America Magazine uh, thinks that somehow their mindset and mindsets like uh, 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 James Martin all right is gonna keep this from happening again no all right I think they're confident not because they've gone underground there's an active homosexual subculture in the church right now right now every single diocese has an active homosexual subculture okay I I want to thank Bill for writing this book and bringing it to the forefront again. We need to keep this in the forefront because as much as we want to eradicate the homosexual subculture in the church, all right, uh, we surely don't want them to feel as if they can go back and start doing what they were doing. Right? In the uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, right? And we mm-hmm. don't want them to, to, to go back and think that that's okay. Uh, really, I really think what the bishop should be saying is, look, it, if you're an active homosexual, you have strong homosexual tendencies that you don't feel you can resist, all right? Leave the priesthood. Leave the priesthood. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that that's uh, really what we should be hearing from uh, all of our bishops.
1: Mother Angelica well, they- said that. I've heard her say that out of her own mouth on EWTN when people entered the seminary there that she said, and I'll quote, she said, if you do not have a strong tendency to want to get married to a woman and have a family, if that's not what you want, then you have to leave. I mean, like, to me, that's a control. I work in accounting. It's a control. If you see that 80% Eighty percent of your problems are happening or happened with homosexual men. Maybe that's just not the place for them. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be allowed in.
0: Father Stephen Imbarato is joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, and we're talking or having a conversation about uh, about Bill Donahue's new book, "The Truth About Clergy Sexual Abuse." One of the things, Father Embarato, we don't have a lot of time left, maybe about six or seven minutes, but I would like to say because here we are talking about it, okay? And I think that, you know, because we try, Joe and I, at least, to be somewhat solutions minded, okay? Donahue points out that about right now, the statistic, and he's a statistics guy, okay? He's chock full of them. Six in every six cases of accusations in, in 50,000. Uh, for 50,000 priests, I think, in America, that that was the number as it stands right now. Has there been has there been an effective pushback against this in your view? Um, that number might may may mean something to you or not. But, you know, and what more can we do if not in
4: terms of the well, clergy in the hierarchy? Yeah, I, I think that the bishops uh, have effectively reacted to it, but also I think to a large extent, they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater because sure as heck a lot of good priests are either being, are being, see, when a priest is charged with any type of misconduct, right? because of what's happened in the past, he's guilty until proven innocent, and after even he's proven innocent, he's still guilty right it's kind of like well judge where do i go to get my reputation back i mean gordon mcrae father gordon mcrae's been in jail what now 20 something years false allegations against him all right proven false and no bishop will go and stand up for him i know many many priests that have been uh, falsely accused or uh, accused of of uh, transgressions that uh, really are, are not the type that under the Dallas Charter should cause them to lose their faculties, right? Maybe go into a, a period of reflection, etc. But at the least little hint, their faculties are being removed, they're being sidelined. Uh, so I, I and I think Bill has spoken to this, uh, and I think very often he stood up, all right, for some of these priests that have uh, been unjustly accused. So, uh, look at this is a difficult problem. So, do we want the bishops to be uh, overreactive as opposed to underreactive? I guess but at the same time it always goes back i think to the sin of adam the worst sin of adam in the garden of paradise right taking responsibility you know the woman you sent me gave me the fruit to eat adam tossed off nobody wants to take responsibility nobody 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 wants to take responsibility and of course uh uh, mccarrick was the perfect foil he was guilty guilty plenty uh, but they still, all right, use the McCarrick scandal to whitewash a lot of people. And there are people in key seats, right, in the United States and of course in Rome, all right, that had complicity in the McCarrick fiasco and, and they have not been they have not been held accountable and they have not accepted responsibility.
0: See the words accountability, Joe used the word controls. And given what you just said, it seems to be, I mean, as lay people, Joe and I and others sit here and go, well, what the hell are we supposed to do, man? I mean, it's like you would think in any, you would think in your mind, in any organization, in a bank, in any sort of business, there's accountability. In other words, you know, you, you have to answer for these things. And then you have to take action to correct these things. And that's the frustrating part Father Stephen and Murado joining the front line with Joe and Joe. That's the frustrating part is that man, it's all with Bill Donahue's new book with other people out there been been talking about this now for years, um, is that it's out there. Everybody knows the facts who wants to know the facts. What are you guys going to do about it now to make sure that it doesn't happen again? Like you said, leave leave it to James James Martin and America magazine. It's going to happen again. Where's the controls? Well, Father, you got and- about two minutes left to comment.
4: Well, and how how are you gonna make sure it doesn't happen again without uh uh charging priests who are innocent because again the other problems become and i think bill has spoken about this over the years the the catholic church become the cash cow right so uh, anybody who wants a payday uh in any number of particular areas they're going to sue the church and they'll come up with allegations it's incredulous to me that that you know, somebody a priest dies. Next thing you know, is somebody comes up and charges that that uh, that priest with misconduct from 50 years before. Now, I'm not right. saying that these cases are not true. That it's not. You know, maybe the person just got the courage to come forward because the priest has died, right? Uh, but uh, you know, the, the, there. I think it really comes down to that. The bishops need to be uh discerning bishops prayerful bishops holy bishops bishops who understand justice and mercy justice and mercy and take every case individually and try to do the right thing even at the detriment of themselves that is important even at the detriment of themselves
1: Excellent, Joe, uh, any final thoughts or final question for Father Steve? Well, I I mean, this is a very touchy and it's not a politically correct conversation, but I think the statistics speak for themselves. And I'm glad that Bill brought this book out. And I also thank you, Father, for your honesty. Um, Because again, this is like the 800 pound gorilla in the room, especially in our culture today. I mean, it's not about picking on people. It's looking at the facts and the facts speak for themselves. Um, And our Pope has spoken about it, too. He's been very clear. It's about listening to our Pope, and it's about looking at the facts. And if we do that, I think we could have a safer and, frankly, holier church.
0: Father Imbarato, uh... we're—oh, go ahead, Father. Quick comment. Go ahead
4: chastity 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 i'm telling you if if we three years from now we're just tired of the word chastity say stop stop talking about chastity stop talking about chastity right from the pope the bishops the priests. three years from now chat no more chastity no more chastity we know we're a long ways down the road to, to taking care of this problem
0: father 30 seconds what do you got going on uh in the near term for uh, all ne- to know about
4: ne- next year, Florida campaign: fifty-eight abortion mills in Florida. I'll be traveling around Florida. Uh, we're going to try with the uh, possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned to get things in place in Florida. That if it is overturned, Florida will be an abortion-free state instead of a state with fifty-eight abortion mills.
0: That's a beautiful thing to pray for, Father. Um, and thank you as always for coming on the front line with Joe and Joe. We really appreciate it. We want to thank you all out there at the uh, Veritas Catholic you Thank you, Father. Um, and thank you all for joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith in the New York City metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And if you would, if you don't mind, like, subscribe, share, and all that fun stuff with our social media, The Frontline with Joe and Joe. You can find us at The Frontline TV, The Frontline TV on YouTube. Do whatever you can to help us. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.